I totally agree with that. I don't think fights should should happen over text. And you know, it it's it it seems like a low hanging fruit, right? Because you can have space, you can have time to think about it, and then you can express yourself via the text. But man, I think relationships are just so much more dynamic than that. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. episode of what to do after a fight have a conversation with a returning guest very good friend and colleague of mine Corey Costanzo and Corey is a licensed addiction counselor a licensed massage and bodywork therapist trauma specialist and he is the co-owner of still point wellness spa here in Asheville North Carolina if you want to learn more about Corey you can go to my show notes and you can also look them up at stillpointwell.com. And we share some of the things that we do in our own relationship after a fight in order to come back in connection. We share what kind of offerings and insights we give from our client work. And we talk about the different dynamics to go that go into the timing of what to do after a fight, how to come together, and in what ways how to self-soothe yourself, a lot of good stuff. But before we get on to that conversation, uh, you can go to my website, prepo.com. You can sign up for my newsletters. You can also learn more about my practice as a therapist and coach. And if you want to learn more about that, you can inquire and contact me. And if those of you that have been listening to my podcast and find it beneficial for you, and if you are inclined to support the podcast by a financial donation, it is greatly appreciated. You can go to my website, prepo.com, click on the podcast page and the support the podcast button. You can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. And I'm just noticing, I'm looking at my computer and it is midnight, low past midnight on September 3rd. And it is my father's 31 year death anniversary. Yeah, I was 29 years old when my father passed away. And I'm just, uh, yeah, feeling him. I wanna, through the ethers of uh, maybe the internet and the, the waves, of communication just to put out to him. I uh, just thank him so much for the love and the calmness and the presence that he gave me throughout my my life that he was alive. So I'm thinking about you, Dad, and want to tell you how much I deeply love you and thank you for all the gifts. Yeah, people. So I always say it, don't forget to tell the people that you care about how much you care about them and love them and appreciate them. 
because you have no idea how long we're going to be in each other's lives. All right, here we go. My conversation with Corey Costanzo. What to do after a fight. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. My man, my man. We are in your place. Your, your digs of business here at Still Point. Yes, we are. We're at the new building in what we're now calling the East Wing. And uh, it's about 1,500 square feet of office space uh, that we're going to use for administrative offices. And I'll move my private practice here a couple mm -hmm. days a week. And we might have a physical therapist here. And it's... Um, it's a blank canvas right now, so it's super exciting. Yeah. This is like the next step, the next stage of the evolution of this 10-year project. It's really exciting. Mm. It's really exciting, especially I feel I was just here last week getting a wonderful massage. So I'm my energy still feels in here from last week. I love it. Yeah, thanks. Mm. Thanks for being here. It's great to be on the show again. Yeah. Yes. So here we go, talking about what the fuck to do after a fight. I think uh, that's, there's no uh, blueprint, I would say like one blueprint to do. We're gonna just share how that shows up in our life, what we do, what we know that uh, is beneficial and also what can be detrimental, not only in our lives, but in the work that we do with people. So that, this could be cool. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it we're in really good positions to uh, have a lot of straight up experience, not only in our own personal lives and relationships with the combined many, many years that we have in in our marriages, but um, but also with the people that we sit with and hold space for and learn from and help coach and 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 do therapy with and you know engage in these deep, meaningful connections and relationships with our clients. You know to get down to the root of things, you know, vulnerable, vulnerability and, and um, you know, so root causes of what holds people back from being in connection and, you know, all that stuff. It's just, I love my job so much, man. I would do it 24 seven if Robin would let me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Mm. Just learn more and more and more. And it makes me a better husband and father yeah. and, and, and human and person. You know, and and oh man, how about the space when like somebody has aha moments and you know, somebody somebody moves and shifts out of patterns um to a more healthy way of relating to their partners or to themselves or to their work, to their creativity, you know, and just sitting back and just having just that it's like being in that space with another human being is so incredible. Yeah. I feel it in my body. I feel the humbleness too of even with people's pain, their conundrums and their challenges and their issues, you know, of even being with them where things aren't moving or that there's some really challenging and painful and horrific experiences that they're having. Just being able to also in some way be a guide, but just a support and the humbleness of what we human beings experience 
you know, and just the compassion that comes from stuckness and and uh, lack of awareness at times that I know that I'm in, at times that I do. And so I can relate to when people have messed up, said the wrong thing, some crisis has come up. And so, yeah, you're right. It's just a, it's just a wonderful way to spend the days, spend the hours of the days of, of relating to another human. Yeah. You know, as I was just thinking about like, it happens sometimes I have couples in my sessions that are having a fight <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they ask like, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. Like, well, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes part of me is like, I don't know what you're going to do now. What kind of space are you in? So I st have to start talking about them getting into the right space before they actually do something. They think like, what kind of talk are we going to have? How do we bring that up? But before all that, what's so imperative is they need to get back down to some level of individual baseline, which is so important to be able to come afterwards and the after effects of what the the fight and the the whole physiology that has just been bombarded in their body. Yeah, like knowing the nervous system and how the nervous system uh, tries to protect us with the fight or flight mechanism to keep us alive and to keep us safe when there's a threat, you know? So if I'm having a fight with Robin, you know, I am feeling in some way, shape or form threatened. And when it's unhealthy, then I dig my heels in and I start um, not listening and I start maybe blaming and I start wanting to be right and wanting her to be wrong. And I think that's when, like you said a moment ago, like that's when things just need to pause. That's when things need to need to go back to baseline. And there are so many times when when I can notice it. And for me, it's in my body. Like I feel it in my body. It's hot and it's it's coursing and it's tense. And and, and you know, when that's happening, blood is not going to the prefrontal cortex, the front thinking part of the brain. The, the rational the part. The rational part of the brain. Yeah. Blood's going to the to the parts of the brain that are the primitive structures, the parts that just respond to threat and just need to do whatever, ne whatever it needs to do to extinguish the threat. And that's not a healthy place to be with your partner in relationship. And what I try to do when that happens is to take some space and I, and I try to press pause on the argument or the fight and- How do you, how yeah. do you actually do that? How do you actually press pause? Like, what do you, is there yeah. something that you say to each other? Do you say it out loud? Well, first, first of all, you gotta go back to like, you know, Robin and I, um, when we first fell in love, we decided to go and uh, see a counselor and do a little bit of work. And, you know, we didn't do much. We did, I don't know, five or six sessions or something like that. And we were like, let's set things up so that, so that we can have a sustainable relationship, a healthy relationship. And let's talk, to, let's talk to somebody about how to help us do that on the front end. And it paid off big time because we came up with processes and procedures of how to fight and what to do when we argue and when we disagree and, um, you know, where the threshold is, you know, like for me, when things start flying, that's the threshold. Like that's the no go 
zone. Like that's right. Like what all the like interruptions and the escalation of voices. What's escalation the- of voices. If an object were to fly, mm. you know, um, if 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 if, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the no-go zone, right? We set it up. We set it up early, early mm-hmm. on. So, um, you know, anybody can do that, right? Just have a nice, meaningful time with your loved one, you know, and talk about this stuff. Hey, when we fight, like, um, what are the what are the ground rules? What, what are, are the ground rules exactly? Yeah. yeah. What do you need when that happens? When your nervous system gets overwhelmed, you know? Because for me, I might need some space, but for you you might need to come towards me, you know? You might need some resolution right right so, now. Yeah, so what are your thoughts about when that can uh, conflicts, when one needs space and the other one doesn't, they want to work it through. They have this, you know, some aspects of maybe anxiousness, whether that's yeah. an anxious attachment or, but um, there's also an aspect where the person that flees, flees as an escapism. That's and, right. And they never get back to it. So this person, like, no, I want to be able to move through it now. I want to have the skills that that we actually talk it through, or we tell each other what we need. What What's your thoughts about when people are conflicting in that? You know, I see it a lot, a lot with clients of mine. You know, I've been doing, I've been uh, working with more couples recently, and um, and I've seen this pattern happen in several couples that I've worked with over the last year or so. And um, it's very challenging. It's very challenging cycle when one has the attachment style of um, where they they need to retreat, and the other has the attachment style where they get anxious if somebody retreats and they feel abandoned. You know, uh, the avoidant style is like the retreater, right? So um, what I would suggest is, if that feels familiar to you in your relationship, um, get some help. Either get some get some help from an objective third party, like a counselor, a therapist, or um, maybe it's a workshop. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a weekend long or an online workshop, or maybe it's a book. Right? Like I imagine you know a couple a couple books um, off the top of your head that can probably help couples to identify that pattern, because it's a it's a very common pattern. And um, just knowing that the pattern exists can can help a couple to break out of that pattern. And it could be as simple as simple as okay, let's agree that um, we'll take a break when things get past the the no go zone for us, and let's let's figure out where that where that zone is. You know, is it when profanity starts happening? Is it when like you know, screaming starts happening? Is it when fear starts happening? Or when one person says, I don't want to talk about this right now. Stop. Like there's, there's even that they're putting up a boundary yeah. and that other person may not be listening. Like yeah. we know that that's when one person says, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, you're over the threshold in some way. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, maybe it looks like, you know, when that pattern is there, by the way, you know, retreat, and, and, and move towards that pattern. Maybe it looks like five minutes, you know, name the time. Okay, I need five minutes right now and then I will come back. You know, maybe the person needs to hear, I love you and I need five minutes and then I'm gonna come back, you know? If there's like, if there's, if there's a time. 
when mm-hmm. someone's going to come back because that sucks for someone you know that was abandoned on a regular basis or shun- or, or um, ignored as a punishment on a regular basis, right? The nervous system, that that wiring just, it just comes right back in, you know? And that's really painful. That's suffering for that partner as an adult, you know, when, if, they're, if, if their loved one, you know, needs to take space, it's like those five minutes are like five hours. Right. And the nervous system is pumping cortisol through. It's the stress hormone, you know? It's like, it's like, you know, just, just, lockdown mode, you know? And, and so that's not going to be beneficial, right? Because then those five minutes are up and then the person comes back and like, oh, I feel great. Those five minutes are great. Okay, now I'm ready. Let's get back into it. And then the other person that's, you know, bloodstream is filled with cortisol and stress hormones. Like, like they'll just, I don't know, maybe just say anything to placate, to just stop the fight. And maybe then they're not accessing their truth and talking about their truth, you know? So I think one way to think about it is, okay, what can we do as a couple so that when we, when we argue, disagree, or fight, we can still stay connected and we can stay in our truth so that we can, we can express ourselves in a meaningful, respectful, successful way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's vital that, that people remember when there is a fight, one thing when there is space that's needed course we could talk about like you said how much space to say when you're going to come back that person that has to that has to retreat and what to do to self-soothe both people individually what they need to do to self-soothe before they come back but what i think is so important too is to remember that we're still in a relationship so just because we had a fight doesn't mean that we totally disconnect and withdraw all kinds of attention awareness care kindness you know it's, it's more about, all right, we're not going to talk about this conflict and disagreement that we have because we're not being kind to each other. We're not listening to each other, but we can go ahead and make dinner together. We can go ahead and go play with the kids. We can talk about something else that needs attention for tomorrow morning. Because I think like that's really important instead of these vast um, disconnects that people take and distance because if you're not good at using the distance productively to self-soothe and to not demonize your partner, but to come back and remember who they are and be appreciative of them and so forth, so that you're gonna come back in connection, if you're just ruminating in that time space, that that space is really not good. It's not a good space to be in. No, it's damaging. I like you know, what- sometimes, sometimes I do that and, um, I think it's a protective mechanism that, you know, right? So it's like the rumination is happening because it's like the it's like the subconscious fears and it's like a protection. It's like, oh, I have to remember all the things that I don't like about this person now. And I have to go through them one by one and just keep going through them. Otherwise I'm gonna forget them and then and then I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna not uh not be safe. Yeah. Not only not be safe, I think this part, like I'm going to get harmed. Right. Like the feeling of that hurt that was in the past, whether it was directly with this person or other people in their lives. Yeah. Tell what you, you and Robin do. You said that there's, there's something that you do about instantly stopping yeah. at times when you recognize that. Yeah, that's right. Um, in order to pull this off, there needs to be, once again, 
there needs to be like a negotiation. There needs to be some kind of um, setup in advance for this. And it doesn't work for like really big, really big things, you know, but you know, when like little things just kind of like start to add up and then out of nowhere, one person's like irritated, irritated and, you know, just kind of picking on the other person and just pointing out, you know, criticisms and stuff like that. And the other one kind of does the same thing, you know, like, oh yeah, well, you know, how about this? Like I leave this out. Well, what about you? Cause you know, like, da, 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 da. right. So that'll happen from time to time between her and I. And, and then like, I just start feeling tense or she starts feeling tense. And then the next thing we know, it's just not enjoyable. You know, it's like, it's like, shit, I didn't sign up for this. You know, this is not how I want to be in relationship. And sometimes I'll catch myself and I'll just look at her and I'll be like, Hey babe, let's just count to three and just let this go. If it's important tomorrow, we'll pick it back up and then, and then we'll work with it in a different way. But how about right now for the rest of dinner, cooking dinner together, we just, we just count the three together. Let's just breathe it out. Let's let it go. And then let's hug. And then boom, let's just finish this and move on. And she'll be like, all right, let's do it. And we'll just count to three. We'll hug, let it go. And then we'll just move on. And we've done that lots of times. And I imagine one reason why you can do that is when you say, if it's important enough, we'll get to it tomorrow, that you actually get to it tomorrow. Because there's so many people that won't let the other person just like let it go, let that be the lead to say, let's drop it, because they never get back to it. And I think like that's, that's the shadow side of doing it. So I'm sure yeah. that you made the agreement is that because there's trust in that. There's trust in like, one of us has a higher understanding that this is not the fucking time to keep doing what we're doing. We need to drop it, hug hug it out or connect in, a, in another way. When we're grounded, when we're uh, more insightful, when we're more empathetic, when we're able to listen more, we'll get back to it. Because I think like that's that's the absolute key that when it works to do that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. You know, we also many weeks will go to weekly couples counseling. So we'll, there's lot, lots of times too, that we have the luxury to be able to, to, to say, Hey, let's just wait. Let's just wait for Darcy. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's just wait. Plug for Darcy. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. She's the best, <laughs> the best. So, um, you know, if you're not engaged in regular, regular couples counseling, which I think even when times are good, you know, regular couples counseling keeps it good and makes it better and deeper. So that's why for many years, we've been just going on a regular basis and the investment has totally paid off. And if you don't do that, I think still engaging in some kind of uh, connected, like, you know, not just day-to-day -day stuff, activity on a regular basis, it's on the calendar, it's once a week, maybe it's going on a walk with your loved one, or maybe it's sitting down and, you know, having a dinner one night a week when it's just you two and, and you're talking about some, you know, Hey, how's this last week been for you? You know, what's alive for you? What's true for you? Um, is there anything that you want to clear with me? You know, um, are you holding on to anything? Mm-hmm asking those kinds of questions on a regular basis, I think can really breathe so much life in a continual basis. Yeah, and it also gives a lot of room to be able to uh, bring things up instead of people have 
one, one aspect of the fight or the conflict is people have such a shitty experience of how to move through conflict for repair. And so we're talking about repair and many people don't have the experience of repair. And what you're talking about is ways to stay connected, that it's safe to bring some things up and how you bring it up is, is so important. Get feedback from your partner and ways to bring it up. And one of the biggest things I think is so important after a fight too is, is to be able to get off of the, the ruminating horse of what the other person is doing or did or you know, make them the bad person in some way, what you don't like about them and put a little bit of a mirror back on. I know I got to do it back, back on myself. It's like, wait a second, all right. Like, well, what did I do? Like, well, what is my contributing part? What's my influence? And if I'm feeling too much shame about myself or I have a history of that, I'm not gonna be able to take accountability. It's gonna be hard. So I think that's working on that part of taking accountability to be able to what Rainbow and I do is we have these accountability heart shares. Like after a fight, one thing that we do when we're ready is just offer, hey, this is what my influence of the conflict was of the fight. I wanna own, even if it's 0.1%, I'm gonna just own mine. And that inspires her to just own hers. Because most of the time after a fight, what people wanna do is they wanna convince the other person what they did wrong and tell them in their, in their debate and argument to, to own it. So instead of like trying to get your partner to own it, you just own your shit. And then the other person owns their shit. And then there's a whole different connection starting right off the bat. Because most people spur off a, a repair, so to speak, that starts a little better than the fight that they had before. And they just get right back into the cycle. They don't do something different like accountability and owning it, maybe starting off with an apology, a sincere apology of just something that you had an influence that created a disconnect. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. I also, I also think it's important that um, one thing that I've told before that what we do after a fight is uh, you know, we self-soothe on our own. Rainbow likes to go out in the garden and ground herself and just being in the garden, being outside and breathing well. And um, I might do some movement, some exercise, um, get out for a walk. But one thing that we do well is we walk together afterwards. Like I really love, we, we live in a forest, so it's so accessible for us to go for a walk. And we I call it, we put out the, the pinky trust, you know, the little pinky while we're walking. Um, not right off the bat. First, first we're just walking to, to feel the person next to us and try to get comfortable with the energy next to us. And then we put, one of us puts out that like pinky to hold hands. And to me, there's, it's such a metaphor of I'm going in a forward direction. We both are, we're moving in a forward direction. We're looking at the same view instead of looking at each other, which is more confronting. Mm. Um, and we're holding hands and connected physically while we're doing it. And I said this before, but I, I can't get angry while I'm walking and holding hands. I can get angry when I stop and I let go and I look, but I don't like carry on with holding hands. I'm like, I can't believe you fucking did that while I'm holding our hand. Mm -hmm. So 
to to me that's a wonderful way to because uh, we don't usually get in an argument or a fight while we're walking <laughs> yeah. and so it's a it's like changing the environment for repair right i love that yeah breaking the cycle and you're bringing different elements into it you're bringing exercise which brings endorphins and pleasurable biochemicals changing the biochemistry yeah and yeah. you're uh, connecting through touch and what what i love about it is because we've had success with that in the past it reminds us okay if we go for a walk it's gonna it's most of 99 percent of the time it goes much better yeah we've had a few times where it's mainly been on my part where I think that I'm ready for a walk and I get right fucking back into it and I start blaming and, and she points it out. And I'm like, I'm not blaming, I just want you to, and I just like, I have to recognize, no, 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 no. It's <laughs> like, I am not in the space. You know, Mark Manson wrote this great, great book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It was New York Times bestseller, I think. And um, in his book, he says, sometimes, sometimes, motivation comes after action, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And I always thought it was, it was different. And that's probably why I hadn't worked out for so many years. I was waiting for the motivation to come to start working out. Yeah. And after I read that book, I was like, oh shit, let me just try to flip that. I'm all about flipping things, right? I was like, all right. So I just started working out. And then the motivation started coming. And now I have you know three, sometimes four times a week practice of working out so right. and it's been solid for over a year now so you know sometimes i what i hear you saying is when you're in conflict when there's a fight sometimes just having something that you do with your partner like taking a walk holding hands it just that creates the repair yeah and it's not like i love and look forward to those few moments no i'm like a sometimes a, a little toddler i don't want to go for a walk even because i but i know it's good for me and that's the same thing with exercise. You know it's good for you. You can't wait for the motivation. So I don't wait for the motivation. And most people wait for the motivation to want to connect instead of knowing this is this is our this is our structure and this is what we've agreed upon and we're going to do that. Uh, it's much better than not doing anything at all. I'm so yeah. curious to know what that inner toddler voice sounds like. If all right, let me be rainbow. It's a little squeaky. <laughs> let's go for the walk. <laughs> now, nah, come on, babe. Like we we could just work it out right here. You know, let's just let's just work it out right here. You know, and I I get I get speedy, and um, I don't see alternatives. I want it my way. Mm. You know, that's that's a little bit more of the toddler is like. I kind of the the part that is wants to just be right and not open to hear her experience. Mm -hmm. So you know more if if I'm more about how I'm making my argument, you know I'm going to put her on trial, you know as opposed to mm. she's got a whole different experience than me. Can I be open to really her hear what her experience was? Mm -hmm. And I think you know th this is just a lot of trial and error, you know. That, and and it's just people, you know, I just tell people, just do something different than what you normally do when yeah. things don't go well. Mm. And just try something different. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people don't take the risks of trying something different. They're so wedded to their side 
of the you know conflict of reality that they don't that they don't um that they don't want to let go of some righteous power that they think that they that they get from holding on to it you know what i also think it's our neurocircuitry that is hardwired that um is meant to repeat patterns so let's say we get angry we get frustrated we feel threatened we feel like we're not heard during during a fight um there's there's certain neuropathways will literally fire and the result will be body tension in certain patterns and you know blood will flow to certain areas in the body and those patterns are hardwired in in such a way that make it really difficult for a lot of people to change and you know a lot of those patterns come from childhood of observing uh, parents that have those similar patterns and you know there's there's this just beautiful awareness now of neurogenesis and new neural patterns and new neural networks that we're able to build uh, through awareness practice, through meditation, through mindfulness, uh, through just trying something new, just trying something different, just remembering to try something different by slowing down and pausing. What you're actually doing is you're, you're growing new neural pathways so that that trigger won't necessarily produce that same result every single time of increased heartbeat and heart rate and, and, you know, anger. You know what I've been doing over the years that I've been, that's different than what I did in the beginning is when we do take that pause, one self-soothing technique that I do, I actually get back to visualizing our connection and trying to remember who the fuck we are. We are a caring, loving, hell of a team. Uh, we have history. Uh, I adore her. And, and I, I remember our we. And I remember like, okay, this is our problem, not hers or just mine. It's just not about my needs. It's, this is ours. And remembering like, let's look at it from both of our eyes towards more of the issue than at each other. The relationship is its own entity is what I hear you saying. And that is suffering mm -hmm. in, in the conflict, in the fight. And what I hear you saying is the awareness of that helps you to break out of the the I part of the relationship, break out of that and, and say, okay, what can I do right now to nurture the relationship as its own entity? Okay, I might have to concede. I might have to apologize. I might have to see it from her perspective. I might, I might have to um, just take a break. I might have to just go on a walk and hold her pinky. Yeah, right. and even say to myself in, in some way, like, I am really sorry that we are having such a difficult, mm. difficult time communicating with each other. Mm. And say it sincerely, mm. you know, not blaming in some way, you know, like we're suffering right now, not just, I'm having a difficult time getting through with you. I can't, not yeah. that part, it's more like we are, and feel the sadness, and can we feel that together? And, um, no, like we, we want to come out of it. So the we and the us is so important. Mm, I love that. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that yeah. and bringing that up.
You know, one thing oh, also- wait, wait, go ahead. The foundation, that's right. Uh, you know, in order to really pull that off, there needs to be a mm. solid foundation of, of um, like, I want this. I want this relationship. I want to live in relationship with this person. And I feel like um, that is just so important to recommit to and to acknowledge and to really hold hold the awareness of that. You know, like every time I look at my hand and I wear a wedding band and, you know, I remember that every time I do that. Mm. And this is a choice. This is a lifestyle choice, actually. Yeah. You know, Robin's been um, asking for a recommitment ceremony every year since, um, since, since we got married 18 years ago. And finally, it hit me of, um, you know, how important that is. 18 years ago, I thought that text said that you were 20. 20 that we've been together. Okay. But 18 years okay. of marriage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2005. Okay. So, um, so we just went, I surprised her with a recommitment ceremony in the Yucatan at, at, at a place in Playa del Carmen. And it was so sweet. It was so beautiful. And, and, and I'm going to, hopefully I'm going to do this every year, you know, cause you know, why not? Right. Why not recommit to my choice of, uh, being, being in this relationship with this human being every year, you know, mm. really think about it. Like, yeah. Hey, you know, I know someone that does that. I just read his book, Ken Dykewald's book, Radical Curiosity. He's an Esalen guy and um, sat on the board, still, st still on the board of Esalen for many years. And, um, you know, he talks about, he talks about his experience doing that every, every year. And when I read his reasons of why that was, I'm like, oh. And I imagine part of that is also recommitting ourselves to the relationship, like knowing what, what am I committing to do? How, what am I committing to be? Not just I'm committing myself and my life to you or in our, yeah. in our life and our journey, but in that, where's me? Like, what am I committing? What am I committing towards patience and kindness and generosity, like recommitting and upping that level? Because I think that that's, that's a part that when that grows and we know that each of us are coming with more of a commitment to ourselves and engaging, uh, then it's easier to do these tools that we're, that we're talking about. You know what holds a lot of people back from that is substance addiction and process addictions, addictions to other things, you know, phone or sex yeah. or, you know, just uh, sports. Cause what uh, they're getting, drinking. they're getting the hit from those things yeah. instead of coming towards the relationship to get that, that connection and satisfaction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. You know, so, um, you know, if there's anyone out there that's, that's, that's listening and finding it really challenging in your relationship and having lots of fights and like not knowing what to do after a fight and, you know, cycles just keep happening and keep happening. Um, you know, I wonder what role substance plays in your relationship, you know, cause it's almost like having a three-way relationship with the couple and then the substance as well, or, you know, one person and, and the substance. And it's, it just becomes very, very hard to really caretake for the relationship as a we, if 
the way I self-soothe is to check out by, you know, drinking or smoking weed, you know, and then when I come back in, I'm not with my full self. I am, you know, myself mm -hmm. that's, uh, you know, drunk or stoned or, you know, whatever. Or like you even said, the phone, filling my head with all kinds of stuff, looking at the phone for two hours. Yeah. And I think like that's getting a break and that's not getting a break. No. Yeah, no. that's not feeling myself. No. You know, the other part of like talking about phones where I don't know about you, but I tell people like, don't text, man. Like don't text after when you're in a fight and texting the emotional expression, text, bring home bread. You know, mm. don't text the emotional part because that's where I think people really make a a, 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 a detour and they're, they're trying to connect because they fear if they, confront each other in person, in proximity, that it's gonna go bad so that they try to do it over text. I don't see where that goes so well at all. You can always misread texts and, and, and there's just so many follow-up questions that need to happen that can happen in the text. And I totally agree with that. I don't think fights should, should happen over text. And, you know, it, it's, it, it seems like a low hanging fruit, right? Okay. Because you can have space, you can have time to think about it, and then you can express yourself via the text. But man, I think relationships are just so much more dynamic than that. And, um, and it's, and it's an yeah. edgy sword because I know that people say, you know, when I see it in writing, I can go over it and try to understand. But a lot of times what happens is they see it in writing and then they hold that writing against the other person. Yeah. And cause I even have it, I'm, I'm sure that you do. It's like, let me show you the text that they sent. And, and then they, and they, won't, and they read it verbatim and they, they hold the person and now it's on record. And man, yeah. like you, you don't want to do that. You know, it does work well in my relationship though, when it comes to texting is, um, reconciliation texts. Hmm. I've used that with Robin a lot. Uh -huh. Like we'll have a fight. Apology, yeah. And then, and, then, and then I'll just like say, hey babe, I know things are tough right now, but I just wanna let you know. A heart emoji, just sending yeah. a heart emoji is I like, love you. That, that, that's a bridge. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. That's right. You know, here's back, back to addiction, right? Emotions and big, strong emotions can also become addicting. So like the pattern of relating when, when it gets fixed, we can actually get addicted to our emotions. And that sometimes makes it really challenging to relate authentically and, and, and to you know, break out of patterns for some people. So you talk about physically, getting addicted to the emotion, the, That's the, right. the neurochemical of the peptides and all of the hormones of the emotion. Yeah, and the way the nervous system works, right? Like when we get overwhelmed or when we get, when we're in a fear state, when we're, when we're angry, um, also when substance is involved and, and you use cannabis or another substance, the, these receptor cells will open up on the neurons and that's how that information gets passed throughout the entire body that works for emotions that works for alcohol that works for substances and so if i'm chronically getting upset then i'm gonna stay stuck in that pattern i'm gonna because my cells are used to to waiting for those for those biochemicals of that emotion. 
and it becomes really hard to break out of that to, to to break out of that pattern and that's a real unconscious pattern that happens oh yeah i mean you know like until i read about it in <laughs> you know science books you know candace pert uh, molecules of emotion she talks about it and now joe dispenza um evolve your brain he talks about it and you know after after reading about the mechanism of the nervous system and how it and how it relates uh to emotions and how it relates to stress and to disease and to sickness and illness and um you know even behaviors and it's just blew my mind away and there's just uh, i feel like lately i have a whole new level of understanding about what's happening in my body why i feel the way i do and it gives me a lot of hope that i can move out of these patterns yeah maybe you could put that put those books in the notes or something for mm -hmm. some folks if they're if they're mm -hmm. interested yeah you know what's coming to mind also for me is that there's some simple things um right after a after a fight that's so important and that's just not only you know just the breath itself you know we talk about breathing but i i've learned i learned a a new breathing technique from um uh what's his name uh huberman lab you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. and he talked about one of a great breathing technique when you're under stress is to take a a good inhale and then now another inhale quick inhale from that and then breathe out so you know i've learned to take deep breaths instead of like a deep breath and then another quick one in because what he said it it then fills up the sacs of the lungs that usually don't get Ooh. the oxygen that needs to go and really bring down the cortisol levels and I've been doing that when I felt a little more stress. I only need like two or three of those breaths and I can really feel a difference. So I think that that's so important that, that people, when they're self-soothing or, you know, cause a lot of people have a hard time ramping up when they're, when they're breathing, it's getting them even more feelings of anxiety yeah. instead of, you know, a way to, to bring that. Down. I love that. Thanks for bringing the breath into it. I'm a big fan of using the breath to uh, down-regulate and to self-regulate my emotions. Yeah, I love that. Long, slow, smooth, soft exhales. That sends the message to the nervous system that, that all is well, right? Because yeah, right. it's like, if we're under threat, we're not gonna be breathing out yeah. really slowly, right? We're gonna be rapid breathing, we're gonna be moving, we're gonna be, or we're gonna be like clamped down and hiding. Yeah. You know? And the other thing that's very simple to do after, that's simple. It, the, the structure is simple. Simple but not easy. <laughs> exactly. Is after a fight, one of the best things that you can do to come back together is take fucking turns. You Ooh, know, say more about that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times when we come back together, we're trying to have a dialogue. And that's where, you know, one person needs to be, I, I believe, because I know for me, at times I or Rainbow, we, one of us need to be really heard out first to be given what I call the stage. Yeah. to be able to express the, what they're feeling, even though if you have a whole different reality, it's getting curious and interested. So you could take turns. If you and I had a fight, when we come back, it's like, all right, you go ahead, express what you experience, what you need. Of course, there's parameters around blame and I statements. That's the structure that you that you were discussing about You know the uh, rules of engagement yeah. around that. 
But once you feel more heard and seen and understood, now you got room for me. It might not be right after, it could be a couple hours of the next day, but when two people wanna be heard and wanna be seen at the same time, that's where the back and forth, that's where it always goes off base. Darcy calls it the intentional dialogue. Mm. And Robin and I practice this all the time. It's so simple and it's so hard when we argue because right after what you just proposed, right? One person just zips it. The other person speaks their truth. If, if I then reflect back what I hear that person saying, I don't have to agree with, with her, but if I just reflect back, oh, so what you're saying is that you feel like you're doing all the work and I just step over things in the house and I don't put stuff away and the kids are doing that too. And you feel like it falls on your shoulders and you're starting to feel resentful about that. Yeah. Right? Boom. That's magic. And then if I'm like, I imagine that that's really frustrating for you. Like, I imagine that like, that that's really hard for you. And I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. Yeah. I mean, that creates such validation. Yeah. And, and many so people simple. cut it short. They, they don't do it right. Let's just put it there. What they do is say, I hear you. I hear you. But. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I hear you, but I have a different point of view and I yeah. really start to- Just know. yesterday, I I, yeah. I put away five yeah. pairs of shoes. Yeah. And especially if, if you're reflecting back emotions, I hear you really frustrated. Yeah. I, you gotta like have empathy and feel the frustration. You can't just say, I hear you're frustrated. Mm. I hear you're angry. I hear you're lonely. No, like feel what your partner, has some empathy and compassion around There's the wings. There's right. the we, right? Yeah. Because like, you know, if 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 Robin's hurting, then it's affecting it's affecting the relationship. Right. And I have the ability to um to show up for her in a way that can help her to hurt a little bit less, right? Or I have the ability to do the exact opposite and make it worse. Right. You know? And and I mean there's a fine line there from 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 codependency, you know, and enmeshment in that. But you know, I think it's different. This like awareness of the we, and 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 how my behavior impacts the relationship, and 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 how I show up in the relationship impacts the relationship. I think is different than enmeshment and codependency. Mm -hmm. And 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 once I started becoming aware of that, my quality of relationship really went up. Yeah, you know, I almost wonder if like, okay, so we're talking about what to do after a fight. Like, what about how to fight healthy, how to fight fair, how to, how to argue, right? Yeah. How yeah. do healthy couples argue? Yeah, well, well, that's another podcast, man. You know? That's, that's a, that, it's definitely another podcast that's really important because many people cringe around conflict and conflict is there. I always say a conflict is there for understanding. That's why it's there. And somehow you're not getting understanding. So the the focus when you're in conflict is get understanding, get curious, get interested, be able to express more what's going on with you so the other person can understand. When you have understanding, then uh, you want to resolve and transform the 
unease and the disconnection. So I think like that's absolutely number one, but that's a great, that's a great topic for you and I to talk about of like what ways to engage that's really healthy because you're right, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to fight. I don't like fighting. It's horrible. And so I don't even want to go back into repair and bring it up afterwards. Well, one, one reason is because you're not knowing how to productively move through the conflict. Exactly. Especially folks where, you know, that wasn't modeled in a healthy way in family of origin. And it's like, we are naturally biologically hardwired to avoid pain. Right. So like, why would I want to go back in that lion's den? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's just so, so important to, you know, conflict does not have to be a dirty word. Right. You know, it could be compassionate. Like confrontation doesn't have to be scary. It could be compassionate confrontation, Mm -hmm. speaking the truth, you know? And it's like, win-win. That's what we're looking for, right? Authentic power. I could win and you can win. Yeah. It doesn't have to be where like, you know, I win at the expense of you losing. Exactly. And that's what a lot a lot of times that happens after a conflict. It's like they're going towards a win or yeah. they give in. Fine, yeah. fine, I'll let you win. As opposed to, you know, moving more into connection and understanding. Yeah. And and Terry Real has this, you know, he he just says that most couples go from harmony to disharmony. And then they, you know, pause and 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 wait a couple of days or a week until they slowly come back into into harmony again. And then something funky gets in the way, and they'll go back into disharmony, as opposed to learning the art of repair, and going from harmony to disharmony and repair. And then with repair, you go deeper into harmony and connection on a deeper level than you did before. And that's why repair is so vital because it takes you back into harmony on a deeper level, not on the, just the same level that you go back and forth on. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet brother. Yeah. All right, my man. Yeah. So yeah, we got to do another one about, about how to fight healthily. Yeah. That would, that would be a good one. Yeah. That would do. How, how healthy couples fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go ahead and study yourself for the next like month about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start a note app. Yeah. on myself <laughs> yeah sweet all right all my right, man baby. i love you so I much i love you too man thank you i love this all right ciao relationships let's talk about it is a production of heartshare counseling and consulting pc of Asheville, north carolina for more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.